monster is a mirror, and when we look at him, we look into our own hidden faces, meditate on this at second level. Is this life reality? No. It is a film. The television screen is the retina of the mind's eye. Therefore, the television screen is part of the physical structure of the brain. Here is the hair I've lost in the past three months. Take it. It belongs to you. You will know why one day. That's fucking crazy, man. Welcome to Weird Movie Club. I am the lady and I sound like this. Today's movie is Children of the Sea. And now, your host, Daniel and Siri. Hello, Weird Movie Lovers, and welcome to the Weird Movie Club Podcast. I'm Daniel Wishes, a puppeteer, and with me is... I'm Sari, I'm a puppeteer too. We're two puppeteers enjoying watching weird movies with you. Yeah! So we apologize that we haven't done an episode for a long time, but we were busy watching completely normal movies <laughs> for a while. No weird movies, but now we're back into weird movies again, aren't we? Yeah! So today's movie is called Children of the Sea. It's a Japanese animated movie. That's the English title. What's the Japanese title? Kaiju no Kodomo. Kaiju no Kodomo, which sounds like Godzilla monsters for children. <laughs> no, no. Well, at any rate, this is a movie that's based off of a manga that Sari started reading. Somehow you got interested in this manga and then you recommended it to me. Yeah. But then we went to go see the movie in the theaters because it just came out last year. Yeah, yeah. In summer. But it didn't have subtitles so I had a lot more trouble understanding the movie than you did yeah but now we've been able to get a copy with English subtitles so for the first time I might actually understand the movie but then again maybe the subtitles won't help me at all mm, I don't know you enjoyed this movie and you enjoyed the manga you're like a big fan you know I that was my first time reading their manga artist manga right yeah I just heard of it I heard it's really good the manga won a bunch of hours so I was interested and I really like the art style he made, so yeah. Alright, well let's let's go rewatch the movie and then we can talk about the manga and everything else. So we'll take a quick break and you should go watch the movie too if you can, and we will talk to you as soon as we're back from watching Children of the Sea. See you after the break. Okay. <laughs> All right, and we are back from watching Children of the Sea. Wow, what a movie. Yeah. So beautiful. I really enjoyed watching this movie in the theater the first time, but to be honest, I enjoyed it much more with the subtitles. Mm. How was your feeling? Did you enjoy it just as much the second time as the first time? I actually enjoyed way more. Oh, yeah? The first time, even though I understood everything. I mean, I understood, you know, all the lines, like, in the first movie. But, yeah, somehow I think I 
got more. This film isn't the easiest film to understand. It is a weird movie. I feel like I got a lot out of the movie, but I doubt I understood everything. And this is this does seem like the kind of movie that you could watch over and over again. It really feels like one of those kinds of movies right. that well, should be rewatched. I feel like I understood like most like a lot this time. Like last time I understood kind of basic story like ideas and then because I remembered I what I understood last time I could kind of follow the story based on what I knew already so this time I could see more details mm. and I had more time to think about it and I feel like I this time I got maybe I don't know I want to say 95% but maybe too much well that's amazing I can't wait to hear all your thoughts on it but first I'd like to try to summarize the movie as we all always do on this show and as always the summary is going to be full of spoilers but a movie like this I truly believe can't be spoiled even if we tell you every single thing that happens you should still really see this movie and I think you will enjoy it so here's my summary that I try to jot down and I'm not sure if I did a great job if there's anything I got wrong Sari please correct me but okay the main character is a young girl named Luca Luca yeah it starts with her having this memory of going to an aquarium with her parents when she's younger and having the fish follow her hands and then seeing this kind of sparkly whale ghost thing in the tank. Mm. Meanwhile, scientists all over the world are discovering that all these strange things are happening in the ocean, including the discovery of a new whale song. And there's a humpback whale that's spotted near the coast of Manhattan. All right. Which is really interesting because something like that happened recently in real life, but we'll talk about that after. In the present, we see that uh, Luca's parents are split up and she's having kind of a rough time her mom might be an alcoholic. Mm. It's the first day of her summer vacation and she gets into a fight with her friends while playing sports and the fight gets her banned from hanging out in the sports club so she's got nothing to do and she's kind of bummed out Mm. so she goes to the aquarium where her dad works and she meets this strange boy named Umi and Umi means the sea the sea right which I think is very significant to this story now Umi lives in the water most of the time he was apparently raised by dugongs which is like kind of a sea manatee yeah they're cute they're kind of cute and he needs to be in the water most of the time or skin will dry out so he's not like a normal human right but he is a human i guess yeah. but he's there's something mysterious about him he can him. swim he can be under the water for a very long time and it, it's mentioned that he was found with another boy but we don't meet this other boy until later on in the story after this luca gets really depressed and she goes to hang out in her empty school because she's bored and she's trying to avoid her friend seeing her and then umi somehow finds her at the school because he wants to show her something that he claims are will the wisps Now, that might have just been the English translation. I don't Mm. know if they were calling them something else in Japanese. Will-o'-the-wisps are kind of these ghosts that you see in the sky over like marshes and swamps and they're kind of Uh, believed to be fairies. They're calling Hitodama. Hitodama. So Hitodama is like a Japanese spirit that's seen above graveyards, very similar to Will-o'-the-wisp. Right. It's like a kind of white, glory, like sphere, soul. Floating light kind of thing. Right. It's like a floaty kind of light. Most cultures have some kind of spirit or thing Mm. that's similar. Right. So he's like, let's go see the Will-o'-the-Wisps or the the Hitodamas. And they go to the sea and they see something that looks like meteors falling into the ocean, but it's like way more strange and magical than Mm. meteors look. So she asks Yumi like, what's up with this? What are these things? And he says that these things contacted him and told him to come find them. And that the reason why they're sparkling and so bright is because creatures that are bright and sparkling want to be found. Mm. So then we 
finally meet Sora, who's the other boy who was raised alongside Umi with the dugongs. He's been in the hospital getting science tests done in order to figure out why he is the way he is, like why he needs to be in water and all these other strange things about him and, and Umi. So he's picked up from the hospital by this tattooed scientist who's named Jim, who seems like an important character in the movie, but I remember he seemed like a lot more important in the manga. Yeah, he had more role in manga. Anyway, so Luca goes back to the aquarium and she meets Jim, who plays for her the whale song. And he explains to her that the whales might be able to send visual information through their song, like a computer code. Like if you hear the song, you can actually see something. And when Luca hears the song, she actually has some vision of whale. So it seems like she can actually understand the whale song. Yeah, yeah. So she goes to find Umi, but Umi's swimming and she meets Sola for the first time. Sola, of course, means sky. Yeah. So we've got Sola, which is sky, and Umi, which means sea. Yeah. And Sola is also the name of the main character in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, that's right. So I kept, think, so I kept thinking of that for some dumb reason <laughs> during the movie anyway. But it's a very different character than the character from right. Kingdom Hearts. Anyway, so Sora is a bit rude to her. Sora says that the new whale song is a song that's announcing a festival to celebrate the birth of a child. They keep talking about this mysterious festival that's coming up that all the scientists and world politicians also want to know about. A few days later, Luca's mom goes to the aquarium to find Luca because she's hanging out with the two new friend boys that she's met. And we learn from sort of the dialogue between other people that Luca's mom used to be really famous trainer at the aquarium. Luca doesn't want to see her mom. She's been kind of fighting with her mom. So her, Umi, and Sora steal a boat to get away from the mom. So they just take off in this boat and then the boat breaks down like really far out at the sea. So they start swimming. And while they're swimming, they see a giant school of whale sharks. And the whale sharks are sparkling. And then Sora and Umi find a piece of meteorite in the ocean. Mm. Maybe like on the back of one of the uh, sharks, I guess. That's it. What happened? I thought they they swam really far. No? Not in that part. Ah. In that part, they were just kind of jumping off the boat because the boat was broken down. And then the whale sharks came by and then they found the meteorite. Oh, I guess that part is different from manga. Maybe they condensed it. Yeah. Anyway, so then later on back on the shore, Luca gets into a fight with her mom and then she runs into her dad who's investigating a giant swarm of fish and a huge megamouth shark that's washed up on the land and died. And that's when her dad reveals that Sora is missing. So Luca goes to find Umi and together they go on like a big trip to go find Sora and they finally find him. He's with another marine biologist who we meet for the first time named Anglade. Anglade. And also in the same area there's a, a woman who's on another boat named Didi and Didi is a very mysterious character who we don't learn a lot about in the movie, but she plays an instrument called a mukuli. Yeah. Am I saying it right? Mukuli. A mukuli is an Ainu instrument. Ainu are like a native people of Japan that were here in Hokkaido before Japanese people came here. They play this instrument and we actually have one. Yeah. That I can play into the microphone right now all so right. you know what it sounds like. Yeah. You did a pretty good job. Thank you. Oh, good job. So that's the instrument she's playing. Mukuli. Mukuli, yeah. So anyways, then Sora kisses Luca in order to give her the meteor piece, right. which she swallows. I don't know why he couldn't have just handed it to her, but... The reason why he kisses like, well, he okay. has to keep a secret. And then he goes into the ocean and he kind of dies, he kind of fades away. Yeah. So meanwhile, Luca's mom and dad 
make up. Strange things start happening to sea creatures around the world. Luca and Umi take a boat with Didi out to sea. And this is when things get really hard to explain with words, but basically the festival happens and there's all these trippy cosmic events which culminate in the sky impregnating the sea with meteors. And during this, Umi takes the meteor from Luca. He like grabs it out of her body and then he tries to swallow it and she tries to stop him. And so he turns into a baby and then he finally swallows it. And then afterwards he disappears as his body breaks up into an infinite number of baby universes, which fly everywhere, baby universes. And it's like really trippy and it lasts a long time and it's super cool and hard to describe. But after this, Luca is left in the middle of the ocean and she eats something, which I think I guess is the meteorite, like she gets it back. And then she's rescued by her parents who come in a boat. Then we go back to land and we see one last conversation with Dee Dee where Dee Dee explains that when she was a younger girl she also met a boy from the sea. And then there's also a really long post-credit sequence where we see that her parents have had a new baby and she asks her mom about the lullaby that she used to sing as a little girl. And that's my attempt synopsizing the movie. Can I correct? Is it okay or you don't want Yeah, what did I get wrong? You said, you know, he, she ate something which you assume it's medium, but yeah. it's not. Oh, it's, it's not. It's the leftover part, like part of universe, like Umi caused. It's like a part of the birth. So oh. she ate like a piece of like the seed of universe. Like a bit of afterbirth from the births of the universe? No, this itself is the birth. Like, unlike animals eat and that also spreads to the universe and that will make, you know, the, that's the new life. Oh. New lives. So she had like one of the newborn life inside her. So she actually ate one of the baby universes. Yeah, 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 exactly. All right, Sari. Well, I think you're really excited to talk about the manga and the movie and tell me what you think it was all about. So, uh, so Sari, you watched the movie twice and you said that you really understood it the second time. And of course, you read all of the manga, which I only read some of it. And of course, you read it in the native language and I read like kind of a translation that might not have been perfect. So tell me, what did you think the movie was all about? What did it mean to you? That movie and also the manga, it's, the story is all about the birth of universe and the birth of human and it's all connected. Because they are idea is very unique, really weird, and they don't explain much, although they sometimes use really strong words to give people ideas. Like, it's really a bit hard to follow the story at the beginning, but once you get the story basics, it's not a difficult story to understand, you know. It's really straightforward, like, narrative-wise, I think. Yeah, I think I got it basically. So they're, they're kind of creating, like, almost a new creation myth, like, kind of like a religious creation myth that's based more on nature, because a lot of religions base their creation myths from a very human point of view, like a right. human human-type god, but this is really about nature yeah and more specifically i think and i always talk about fractals i love to talk about fractals but i think this movie is really about fractals and you know we always talk about fractals and i never do a good job explaining what fractals are mm. so for the purpose of this podcast i actually went to a website called the fractal foundation wow and downloaded this fun sheet on explaining fractals cool. according to the fractal foundation which is an actual thing that exists to help spread awareness of fractals okay a fractal is a never-ending pattern that repeats itself at different scales. Mm. This is called self-similarity. It's basically like a pattern where if you look at it really tiny and then you look at it when it's really huge, it's the same. Like you go out and it repeats itself. Right. 
It says, although fractals look very complex, they're made by a simple repeating process. And fractals are found both in nature and mathematics. Mm. So if you look at a whirlpool in the water, it looks the same as a universe because things take similar shapes on a small scale and a big scale. And this is also used in magic where people who do magic try to take something small that represents something in order to try to control or make a change on a mm. larger scale. So fractals occur in branching patterns in things like rivers, trees, lightning, bolts, blood vessels. That's why your blood vessels, if you look at them, they look like the roots of a tree it's because these patterns reoccur over and over again in nature. A seashell has the same kind of structure as a galaxy if you look at the spiral and that's part of sacred geometry. Right, that's the, you know, three, three by seven. The golden The golden ratio. ratio. That's right. A tree grows by repetitive branching. A fractal triangle is formed by simple repetition. And it can just be repeated infinite. So that's, that's fractals. And if you're interested in fractals, go on the internet and watch videos of fractals because they're totally trippy, man. They're great. <laughs> but I think this movie is like really dives heavily into the idea of fractals. Like the universe looks like the sea and like how everything in nature is sort yeah. of related and connected. And there's also like a big thing about typhoon you know typhoons also like kind of spiral right and that typhoon caused like lots of connections between the relationship between those kids so the interesting thing that i found about the manga and this movie is it really goes heavily into like sort of philosophy and theology but at the same time it also is like talks about science a lot yeah yeah especially in manga they, in this movie they cut out lots of like scientific explanations yeah in the manga. Yeah, yeah yeah in manga like the in manga there's so many episodes where they just show like evidences like I don't know if they made up or you know he made up or actually exists maybe some of them are true and some of them are maybe he made up but there are lots of like looking like just evidences like proofs mm. of like all the crazy things like we haven't had time to do fact checking but it seems like they it seems to us lay people that the science seems sound in the manga like there's lots of research done on marine biology and lots of like kind of sciencey stuff. Yeah, and yet the spiral mm -hmm. is like a, one of like a really important key in the movie. And I, you know, there are lots of spiral symbols in like ancient cultures, like including Celt. Almost every culture really, like that's the interesting thing which I think the, the fractal society is helping promote is fractals are important scientifically, artistically, and when it comes to like spirituality. Yeah, and they will say like that all like symbols in lots of cultures, they all kind of have like a similar meaning, which mm. has like, which is like a either power or growth, you know, yeah, growing. But then I found out that, that you know, Jomon culture, like Japanese oldest culture, has like, you know, cool dogu. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that has a symbol, and that has like a very specific meaning. There's one dogu style which has the spiral on the belly. Wow. And that means it's pregnant. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's pre pregnant, it's kind of giving the birth. That's like, you know... Wow, that's very cool. If you haven't seen the statues that Ceres talk about, they're very mysterious because not a lot is known about them, but they're like really cool. They look, some people think that they look like aliens. Mm. So go do a Google image search for that because they're, they're amazing. I love right. those. Yeah, no, that's really fascinating. Yeah. It's interesting how this sort of sacred geometry has made it into so many cultures. And of course, people have used it a lot in architecture and like secret societies. That's why there's so many secret societies of architects like the Freemasons. They think of mathematics 
and building things and following his golden ratios, like being one with God, you know, it's mm. like human's way of understanding God and nature by looking yeah. at the geometry that exists in everything. Right. It's really fascinating stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the stories, kind of their own mythology they created. Right. The be- meteor is the sperm. Right. Right. And meteor... And the um, earth is like the, the egg. Yeah, yeah. The, especially the sea. It's the kind of body to accept the medium and make place where the egg core and the sperm meets, right? And yeah. to give another birth. And Sola and Umi are really like kind of the human representatives of like the sea and the sky. Right. But they are like a bit different. They are the, they are the actual eggs, you know? Right. They are the eggs, but you know, in human body, there are lots of eggs like oh, right. women produce, right? Right. And every month it's abandoned, you know, it dies every month. Mm-hmm. Like that's the period, you know, women have. Yes, I know. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I know you know. I know you know. So I, I learned not... this in third grade uh, <laughs> sex ed class. Yes. I don't mean to. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so those children, they're like, they're, you know, we are children are the ones like representing those eggs and like children keep dying and they are fading out because they couldn't have a chance to oh, have the sperm. Right. So those oh, wow. are like, interesting. And they're, they're, when they die, it's, it follows the moon cycle. Oh, and that's, that's like a time. That's why he, there was that line in the movie where he said, I thought it would happen on a full moon. Yeah, but it happened in new, new moon, oh. actually. See, that's an interesting thing because I remember that's something you might have understood better because you read the manga. Because I remember in the manga, there's like more children that are mentioned. In the movie, yeah. they only mention the two, but in the yeah. manga, there's more. Yeah. Oh. And lots of children try to get the media. Right. You know, oh, it's so it's like the egg trying to get yeah. fertilized. Yeah, it's com- com- kind of competing. You know, right? I see. Wow, and, that really makes yeah. makes more sense. Right, and huh. so many die. Yeah, and only but Umi was the chosen chosen one. Umi huh. is the strongest. Like to kind of adjust in the earth so he can survive more and that's why he's chosen because he's stronger than other children. Wow, that really... Wow, that's amazing, Sarah. That really puts everything together. There is one thing I don't understand, though. Why does Luca try to stop him from swallowing the meteorite? Right, because him accepting the sperm means his death as a human. Right. He has to die in order to give a birth, in order that uh, you know and she doesn't she wants to save him yeah so she has she has some contradictory you know conflicting feelings um she doesn't want to let him die but at the same time if umi doesn't get the spam he will die mm. so that's why first she tried to stop and then she sees him actually dying and he's really missing and he really needs the spam to be born mm. as a you know bigger universe he wants to be born so like she sees and she realizes that's why she helps eventually wow that's that's super cool you know i read a bunch of reviews Mm. western reviews Mm. and in the west a lot of movie critics criticized it for being like too hard to understand but i feel like if you criticize a movie because you don't understand it then you're just like kind of a lazy bad critic right it really annoys me actually some of those reviews it's like a movie's not bad because you have to work to understand it yeah (laughs) like what a ignorant way of looking at things because this movie the storytelling is really clear i don't think they put any unknown things you know they don't put anything they are not 
sure about. Right. They are sure about every single moment, yeah. every single scene. And every everything in the movie happens for a reason and has some yeah. meaning to it. And all the creators, you know, creators have to work as a team and they all share. So they like they must know as a team what they're making and just the critics is the one who don't understand who didn't get it then like what they have to do is instead of criticizing they should watch it again and try to understand more they, they really should yeah yeah and this movie it really does make sense if you just are willing to do a little bit of work to understand it but even if you don't understand it the animation is so beautiful and yes. it's such an enjoyable experience to watch it yeah and it is really a movie that makes you want to watch it more than once and i feel like even if you have a really hard time understanding things like this if you just watch enough times you're yeah. gonna get it eventually <laughs> yeah and that's this might be my own interpretation but i think that there's another message by the creator other than the you know telling the mythology of you know the universe creation and human creation as a look as a main girl she's the witness you know she she follows those story and she witnesses and she so she was really lonely Mm. You know, in yeah, the beginning. she's very lonely, yes. Because her friends don't understand her and parents don't understand her. And then, like, she makes friends with those children and, and she sees something really unusual and she might not be able to make most of the people believe in her story if mm. she tried to tell the story because it's just so crazy. Right. But the ending is like that did it weird woman says you know you have to you should trust yourself and you should trust the umi and sora and yeah which is the opposite of what andalade says which is don't trust them right yeah yeah exactly but they did their cool lady said you should trust and she said truth is always with you right so you just only thing you just need you should do is trust yourself and trust those children you loved and i feel like that's like a kind of message to people who you know like weird stuff who like yeah who like the kind of people who watch this movie and are like you know you gotta understand it have some feeling yeah and it's like it's encouraging to me because we also make you know weird stuff we like weird stuff and sometimes people don't understand it but you know reminds me of a couple other things that i'm a bit curious to know your opinion about right so throughout the movie or especially the beginning of the movie they keep talking about the festival and they keep saying that the festival is looking for a guest which i assume is luca luca is the guest that they're looking for oh is that right i thought oh and so it seems like they want a guest like someone to witness this but then when it gets to the time that the festival's happening she gets swallowed in the sea creature and this kind of entity which looks like Sora but says he's not Sora appears and says you have a choice you can close your eyes and let it pass or you can open your eyes and witness it and she says I want to see and she opens her eyes and then she like witnesses all this crazy stuff and becomes one with the universe right and has like an ego death you know things get really psychedelic all right yeah oh I didn't oh I think you got that part more I thought the guest is Umi, but it doesn't make sense. Umi should be the host, not guest. 
Right. So that means, yeah, Luca should be the guest who is allowed to watch. Even though they do give her the choice at the last minute, like, you don't have to watch if you don't want to. Right. And she chooses to watch. Right. That was a cool scene. Which presumably, like, completely blows her mind. And mm. although she seems fine afterwards, <laughs> she's strong. She goes back to normal life and she's, she's okay. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Well, what a beautiful movie. If you haven't watched it, please go watch it. But maybe if you're listening to this, you have watched it. So I was a little bit skeptical about a couple of the sciencey things. Like、mm-hmm. the first thing that's like really out there in this movie is the fact that there's two boys raised by dugongs. Right. That seems so crazy. Although there's something unusual about them, and maybe we don't need to understand, but I actually did some research、uh-huh. and I want to share my, my findings. I,、okay. I, don't, I don't know if there's any point to it or not, but maybe it's interesting. So, first, I wanted to learn more about dugongs because I don't know much about dugongs. And I learned some stuff about them.、Mm. First of all, they're very endangered.、Mm. There was another species that was very similar, kind of their cousins, but that species was hunted to extinction by humans. The closest relative they have、mm. on Earth, DNA wise, isn't any animal in the sea. They're actually closely related to elephants. Oh. It's like they're the elephants of the sea. Neat. They live to be really old. They live to be around 70 years old. And they don't have a lot of babies, which is a big part of why they're endangered, because they don't reproduce a lot.、Mm. They eat seagrass. Right. Mainly, which is why they're also known as sea cows, because they're like big cows、mm. eating grass under the sea. The mothers and the calves are very close, kind of like hippos or elephants. They really take close care of each other more than any other animal in the ocean. They're like always cuddling and touching each other.、Mm. They also have really amazing memories, kind of、mm. like an elephant. They have to travel like long distances and they can like find their way back to where foods are. So they, I guess they eat the grass in one area and then they move to another area and eat、mm. the grass. Some people believe that dugongs are actually. The inspiration for mermaids. Yeah. Like sailors saw mermaids. And, and Luke actually mentions that in the movie when she's reading a book about. Yeah, it's kind of common. Yeah, I, I knew that too. Yeah, yeah. I, guess, I guess lots of people know that. Yeah. But if anyone doesn't know, that's anyone who's listening doesn't know, it's like kind of an interesting thing that people. I guess sailors who are drunk, they'd see like dugong tails off the side of their boat and be like, oh, that might be a sexy lady down there.、Uh, <laughs> that's where the idea of mermaids came from. <laughs> It's also interesting that after she reads that book in that scene, she smells the book and goes, Oh, it smells like dad.、Oh. It almost is suggested at times that she has some, she's not entirely human either. Like she has some specialness about her. Like、yeah. they say she smells like her and she has like some heightened abilities and、yeah. she may or may not be able to breathe underwater <laughs> sometimes. Right. So、uh, in manga, like it's found out she has like a special eye ability to adjust, like so that she can see really far or like see in a really Dark place, or、oh. like see something really close, and that's how like she's able to see in the sea. But she didn't know that, and Is, I don't know if that's actually possible. Do they ever explain how she got those powers?、Or? Yeah,、uh, the Andre, the scientist, explained that、uh, it's actually found that her mom also like is really weird. Oh, yeah, her mom also, you know, is like a swimmer. You know, in Japan, like traditionally, women go under the water to get some. Seafood. Oh, yeah. And like, they... Or pearls, like pearl divers? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And they can hold the breath really long time, but the mom has some special power, like she can see in the sea as well.、Oh. And she can hold the breath for very, very unusually long time. He said you might be inherited by, like, it's kind of family tree thing, and maybe ancestor might be similar to one of those weird children.、Mm, 
Interesting. Well, I guess there's like tons of stuff in the manga that they couldn't put in the movie. Yeah. I don't want to ask you about that, but let me finish my little spiel about sure. dugongs. One little story, which I learned about, which is kind of a sad story. Uh. Last year, a baby dugong who was orphaned was rescued by scientists in Thailand last year. Uh. They named the baby dugong Mariam and... I guess they treated these humans like they were their parents. So dugongs are like very cuddly, soft creatures, just like in the movie. And this dugong would go up to the humans and hug them and cuddle with them. And mm. it was very cute. And mm. it became extremely famous on the internet. Mm. At the time, they're saying that it's Thailand's sweetheart. Like everybody in Thailand was like going crazy over Mariam, wow. the baby dugong, and everybody loved her. Mm. But then later last year, she died. Mm. And they didn't know why. Mm. So they, you know, they did an autopsy. Topsy, mm. And they discovered that, I guess, before she had been rescued, mm. she had swallowed a bunch of plastic garbage from the ocean. <sighs> and the plastic garbage got inside her digestive system and, uh. and killed her. It's a very sad story. Um, yeah. It's happened so recently. It, it happened last year, the same year that this movie came out. And it seems like really connected. Right. Another event that's really connected is like recently, in December of this year, like this month, in the movie, a humpback whale is spotted in New York Harbor. Mm. And just this month, yeah. one year after the movie came out, a humpback whale, the same kind of whale everything, was spotted in New York Harbor. There's actual photographs of it on the internet jumping out of the water in front of the Statue of Liberty, That's just so like in cool. this movie. Oh. They don't know what attracted the whale. Like, it's very rare, but they mm. say it's maybe because there is less boat traffic than normal because of the coronavirus. Mm. But I did notice that there's two things yeah. that just happened in the news pretty recently that really really like ties in together with this movie which interesting when weird movies kind of like can predict the future sometimes <laughs> you know yes yes that yeah. happens all right well let's talk about the manga a bit more as someone who just watched the movie and hasn't read the manga is there anything really important from the manga that you think they left out that's like we should know or anything that's even just interesting uh yeah that's one interesting thing in manga the you know they actually kind of have some theory of why those um me and Sora can be under the water for such a long time. Oh. It says they found like a kind of bacteria, like plant-based bacteria inside their bodies. And that bacteria is like a really old ancient bacteria kind of living in a deep sea. And those bacteria can produce plants, can oh, like have oxygen. Photosynthesis. Is that the oxygen from the sun? Yeah, that's called photosynthesis. Okay, that, that's, that's it. Oh, so they can, they have like some photosynthesis ability. Yeah, they, they have like some assumptions. Ah. In the manga, do they ever explain why all these different scientists and people around the world want to know about the festival? Like why they're so interested? Because I think they know that's like the key to understand the birth of universe. And they really want to know. They really want to see. Right. Yeah, yeah. But so somehow they know, kind of have some suspicion of that it has something to do with the ocean. Yeah. They want more details. Yeah. And uh, in manga, they explain more that Jim, the bald guy, was not really like uh, focused in the movie. It's like uh, he really wants to protect those children as human. He wants to treat them as a human. They he wants them to survive, like live long. Right. So his purpose is completely different from other scientists, but also it kind of goes against the children's instinct level will. But the Umi and Sora have like kind of both feelings, like 
a bit, you know, conflicting. They want to leave, but at the same time, they know their role, you know? Mm. I mean, there is a scene in the movie mm. where, because Jim's not in the movie a lot, but he, they do hint at some of that stuff. There's a scene where Jim says he wants to protect them, and then he deletes all of the research files off his yeah. computer, and he says, yeah. I hope that yeah. protects them. It seems like he's trying to protect them from the other scientists and government and stuff. Right. But they're not the ones who are, like, endangering the children. The thing that's mm. endangering them is the natural process of mm. birthing a universe. Mm. So in the end, I guess he doesn't really do anything to help them or hinder them, but he's trying. That's the point, I guess. Yeah, also, that's a cool thing about the movie, which is, may not be clear in manga, is like, the tagline is something really cool. It said, the tagline is, you do not make the most important promise by word. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and you know, when you see the movie, you don't understand what that means. But that means, like, you, if you follow this journey together and, like, really understand the Luca's feeling and, you know, she's chosen as a, as a guest, you know? Mm -hmm. And she's the one who can see everything and it's because she's the one who understands and she understands she can't tell this by words, you know? And that could be, like, the origin of the, you know, stories, like... Something that you can't describe with words. Yeah, but mm -hmm. it can be told by folk stories or, you know, other stuff people make in a different way, but not direct. Yeah, so that's really the message, I think. I don't mean to change the subject, but another thing I wondered about, mm. and again, maybe it doesn't matter, I'm getting away from the message of the movie, but I did do some research on this. So I wanted to know if dugongs could actually right. raise a human baby. Oh, yeah. And maybe, because they are very caring. Right. But the thing is, is could a human survive in the water that long? Now, obviously, Sora and Umi, they're not normal humans. Right. But I think the writer might have actually done the research mm. and knew that. Mm. I wanted to know what happens if a human actually does stay in the water for like a really long time. Mm. And most likely what would happen if you're in the ocean is you would die from hypothermia. The cold mm. would kill you. Mm. So in order to survive in the ocean, their bodies would have to be extremely hot. Oh. And there's like an ongoing thing where she, she touches Umi and she's like, oh, he's really hot. Right. And it's almost like, I almost feel like the writer actually did the research and was like, okay, in order for them to survive in the ocean, they need mm. to be extremely hot. Mm. The other thing is if you were in warm water, say, mm. not in the ocean, your skin would start to deteriorate and you would sort of get infections and things would go really bad just from the water, even if the temperature didn't kill you, which is, I guess, why they have like kind of a special skin too. Mm. It really seems like even though they're trying to put in all these like metaphysical elements, really put a lot of work into getting the science right too. Right. I think though, another reason to show like Umi getting hot is, you know, that's also another clue before women get pregnant. Oh, right. And because when he had the fever, it was like he was yeah. he was getting ready. Yeah. And Sola wasn't as hot because he'd gone past his good period yeah. of being the... Yeah. He seems like he's also a little bit older than Umi as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very... Wow, um, you're you're smart, Sarah. Oh, thank you. You really figured this out. Yeah, but there's also another scene which might not be in the movie. In the manga, they say, like, temperature's getting really hot entirely that area, you mm. know, that area where those kids live. Oh. Like, every day, it's like tropical, it's really humid, and it really shows, I think, that us itself is getting, also getting ready. It's getting ready yeah. to, to be impregnated. Yeah. Ah, so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I really 
really feel like this movie deserved more success than it got. And mm. I, I feel like its success, even though it came out last year, it does feel like its success was cut a little bit short by the coronavirus. But how did it do in Japan? Uh, yeah, so the money financial wise? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but they kind of, they were like number fourth or fifth of sales. Mm. It seems like this was like a really high budget movie. Like this animation looks expensive. Yeah, yeah. But they did win really good awards. You know, that's one Japanese kind of art department gives like media art festival. Mm. And they won the best movie. And it always goes to very artistic movies. Mm. So, yeah, I think they did get some, you know, reward. That's great. But I do still feel like this movie really isn't getting as much attention as it deserves, especially in the West. Like this is really an amazing, beautiful and super weird movie. I I really feel like this is the kind of movie where like maybe it takes a while for people to discover it. But five years from Mm. now or longer or whenever, at some point in the future, I really feel that this is going to become like a cult classic in the West where people are like, yeah, man, you got to see Children of the Sea because it really is like it's amazing. Yeah. Really beautiful. And yeah, the animation. The animation is so good. It's phenomenal. Like all the sea creatures. And there's all these little subtle details that we didn't talk about, like just really beautiful animation sequences. Like there's a scene where Luca's riding her bicycle through the rain and she starts to imagine that she's underwater with sea creatures. Yeah. Another scene where they're like her and Umi are driving in a, they kind of hitchhike in a truck to go try to find Sora. Yeah. And there's a tsunami happening. And during the tsunami, they can see these visions of all these sea creatures flowing past them. And and the animation is just so amazing. And then. Yeah. And they have like, they really mixed the different style, two different styles of hand drawing and also digital, you know, digital coloring, digital effect. And those combines really, really well. And, uh, you know, the hand drawing part is, I think they try to keep the touch of the manga. And uh, can I talk about how manga writers make manga? He's really unusual. Yeah, I will say that even though I love all the animation, the one thing that I don't quite like, and I think this came from the manga because I read the manga, is the way the manga artist draws the eyes of the kids to oh, me yeah. it looks super creepy like they just have the creepiest looking oversized eyes and not all the characters some of the characters have realistic looking eyes but then some of them have these like giant like yeah I mean I know that manga and anime is famous for characters having giant eyes but these aren't the same as like normal giant mm, manga no. eyes these there's something really unique and frankly kind of terrifying about the way <laughs> the artist draws eyes to right me. and the hands are really big and proportions really awkward actually uh, is it just the style yeah, is it's it, a style. Is it a purposeful style or is it, it is. just he's... Yeah? I read the back story oh, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, he's he's a really unique manga artist. He didn't study, you know, learn other manga artists. Like, you know, they usually go to the assistant and they follow all the, you know, basic instructions. There's but sort of like a chain of command in the manga industry where you sort of work your way up. Yeah, right? yeah and also, you know, you have to use like a ruler to draw background, you know scenes hmm. but he doesn't use any ruler to draw oh really not in many mangas but in several mangas he did not use manga comic pen he used just like a regular pen you can buy at the stationery store like a Only ball one... like a ballpoint pen yeah kind but or... with ink you know students use for taking notes wow and he used those pens to draw and all hand drawn without ruler and he 
once he went like traveling, like visiting all the temples of Japan, traveling and drawing manga. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. He's like a really weird guy. And he, yeah, that's why his art style is super unique. But I remember in the manga, all the drawings of things like the scientific equipment and the aquarium and everything, it all looked very realistic. Yeah. But he does that all freehand. He doesn't use any yeah. ruler. Yeah, or... he does it. Yeah, yeah, in freehand. Wow. Usual manga, like you try to have like one line to have like a make the flames, you know, flames of face, flame of the body to differentiate from others. From the background. and Yeah. yeah. But he does more like kind of very thin lines. Thin lines to kind of, kind of blend in. Yeah. Blend so everything together. Because it looks like it's all blend in. What he did, he figured is he should try to make characters more like a bit weird, you know, more oh, so he, stylized. So he draws them that way to make them stand out from the yeah. kind of realistic background. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that's what... That's so what he, he kind of makes the, the faces look unrealistic because the backgrounds are... <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't realistic. do it with every character. I guess he only does it with the characters that he really wants you to focus on. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Yeah. Because I thought some characters have those crazy eyes and some don't. And I thought maybe... Because the first characters you see that all the kids have them, right? Mm. And you think, well, maybe it's because all the kids have like some special weird ability. Mm. But then Andalade, he also has those crazy eyes. So I thought, whoa, was he, is he like a grown up version of one of those sea children because he like totally has those crazy eyes too uh, right. Jim does a bit too though mm. but like some of the other characters don't like Luca's dad has like totally normalized right so uh. it's interesting <laughs> I thought it had something to do with like the world building but I guess it's just uh, maybe can... the artist's style of wanting certain characters yeah, to stand out yeah because his other manga characters are like that too does this manga artist does he have like any other famous mangas yeah he's done many and like I know two other mangas which are famous but the Children of the Sea is the most famous one. And for that manga to make it clear he used two types of comic pen as well as the regular pen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so that manga was like it's kind of a short manga it's only five volumes right? Yeah. But that manga was like a pretty big hit? I don't know how sales wise but it won the big awards. Right. Like, it won lots of awards which is what made you interested in, yeah, in reading yeah, it. Yeah. But before you read that manga you hadn't read any of his other work? No. Have you read any since then? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Are you going to? Maybe, but I don't know. It's personally, I might like the movie better, actually. You thought the movie was better than the manga? Yeah, movie adapted the manga really well and made it more like straightforward and kind of give you like a a bit more straight journey than manga. Manga Mm. has little more, which is interesting. I don't want to criticize, but manga has more like kind of more stops before you reach the point. The story is clearer in the movie. It's more... (laughs) So I I remembered something you told me. Of course, listeners of this show who listened to our Mind Game episode might know that Mind Game is an amazing Japanese animated movie and my favorite weird animated movie. It's Mm. just amazing. Now you told me, or you discovered, I think you told me when you discovered that the animation studio that made Mind Game is the same animation studio that made this movie. That's right. Yeah. This animation studio makes very high quality, weird animated movies. Yes. Yeah, that's really cool. 
sure. But there's one negative side. I don't know. Oh, what there is? What is I it? I don't know. To be fair, maybe it, the studio was sued by one employee oh. who said they don't pay over work payments to the employee. Oh, they don't? I actually read on the internet that they paid something like $23 million in overtime fees to their employees for this movie. Maybe because they lost a trial. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Oh, maybe I should look more. I mean, hopefully they do treat their employees well. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it does kind of take away from the enjoyment of a movie like this to think that the artists who work on it weren't mm. weren't treated well. Yeah. So hopefully it's not the case that they were treated badly. But I guess it does happen a lot, you know, mm. in the film industry. And of course, we always hear about it happening in the video game industry. Right. There's a lot of crunch time. And this movie is, is so elaborate, like there's so many things in it that it wouldn't surprise me to know that employees would have to do overtime to deliver it in time because it seems like the amount of detail and work and everything that went into this animation, it's a huge undertaking, you know. Mm. Hopefully all those employees will get the money that they deserve. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, Sari, I really love this movie and your explanation about how like pregnancy works and everything and how it relates to nature. I didn't get any of that. So like, thank you so much. You really like opened my eyes. And, oh, yay. Until next time, whenever that may be. Thank you for listening, weird movie lovers. We'll see you again. So until next time, keep it weird. Movie club. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening next week's movies, Barbarella. That's right, The Leg. Next week's movie is Barbarella, the 1968 science fiction film directed by Roger Vadim, based on the French comic series by Jean-Claude Forrest and starring none other than Jane Fonda. Until next time, Mr. 